0: I'm not doing things that I wouldn't do on other people's gigs. Like I don't have to limit myself. I can kind of play the way I want to play. Can't really ask for much more than that, in my
1: opinion. <laughs> you're getting hired to be you. Yeah, right? It's, it's sweet. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Will Chernoff and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative improvising local music people. This show is an ongoing open-ended conversation series with folks who make their community fun and prosperous. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to follow this feed wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today is a jazz drummer who released his first album, talking drums one year ago in november 2020 on the Seller music label based in vancouver but he recorded that album as he finished graduate studies at the university of northern colorado in the denver colorado area he joined a piano trio led by domi edson on bass and recorded an album with her they released this album without the ray and launched into a tour Now you probably want to ask me what i know about colorado i've never been there but our guest despite living there now is canadian and i met him when he moved from alberta to bc to finish his undergraduate degree at kafilano university in fact he played drums on my first album aim to stay and on this tour with domi edson he played for one night only at Frankie's in Vancouver and I was lucky enough to attend and cheer him on you can find him at bobbyweens.com and please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast Bobby Weens
0: thanks so much Will for having me and for that nice intro I appreciate that
1: I really appreciate the chance to see you again because it had been maybe five plus years you know
0: I know it was so great to see you at the club and there were some other cat people there too so it was a cool little reunion
1: yeah I mean, I haven't toured since February 2020 in any capacity and I'm curious, when did Domi's tour start to come together?
0: So she released the album in like February, March of 2021 and the wheels were turning right away. I think she started to book things in like June, July. So I think she started reaching out to folks in June.
1: Yeah, and when you got the call after you probably hadn't had the chance to do anything like that in recent memory, how did that feel for you?
0: Oh, it was good. No, I have done a couple tours cuz I took a break between high school and undergrad and also between undergrad and my masters. But it felt really good. I'm glad that she wanted me to be a part of it. Things here in Colorado started opening up in terms of like playing and venues actually having live music pretty regularly in May. At that time, when she asked me, like there was really nothing happening, so I was very excited. She's a great tour manager. Like It came together really smoothly, and she did a good job booking things and making it a fairly lucrative endeavor as well.
1: Yeah, I have your tour dates in front of me, so it'll be fun to kind of go through each day and get your recollections of your own sure. experience there. But first, I want to ask you a couple things about the music, too, because I got to hear you. But not everybody would have gotten the chance to hear you yet. So if I had to think about reference points, there are two that come to my mind right away, and I know you'll have more. One of them is Ahmad Jamal's trio from like the late 50s with the classic album at the Pershing. Mm -hmm. And then a later one is the Ray Brown trio with Gene Harris on piano in the 80s. So what else do you have?
0: You're bang on. Like those are a couple of her main ones. Another thing that she is really influenced by his Christian McBride trio. All these great kind of bass-led trios, and some piano trios, of course, too. Oh, I should also say the Jeff Hamilton trio. Those are her favorite people. So it was very much that kind of vibe.
1: And how much of a role did you have in crafting the musical arrangements?
0: Like, we've played together a lot, so she didn't give me a lot of very specific instructions because I think she trusted... What I do as a drummer, there were a few arrangements I think where she had some specific notes and she had some like reference recordings. But I think the drummer and the piano player share a really important role in a bass-led trio. It's very much like an equal parts thing. For me, it's like thinking about how people like Vernell Fournier, Jeff Hamilton, Mel Lewis, all these great trio drummers, the ones that I'm really influenced by, how they can orchestrate things and almost make it sound like you're a big band within a trio, both playing dynamically, uh, using different colors, textures, being able to go to different grooves or rhythms, depending on what the tune needs. It's more of a big band concept than a small group concept in a lot of ways. The emphasis isn't as much on stretching out and soloing but it's more on the arrangement so i'm trying to fit into that and make those as interesting as possible for the listeners but also for my band members too
1: yeah i want to jump into the set list now because you mentioned this thing about it's only a piano trio with piano bass and drums but you want to have the impact and the scope of a big band and literally you said that when the three of you introduced the tune three and one by Thad Jones at your Mm. gig at Frankie's. So break it open how that ends up happening when you try and arrange that tune for the trio a little bit.
0: I mean, obviously she was influenced by the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis arrangement of that. She fragmented it in a lot of ways and created this kind of modern sounding version of it It has, like, elements of a big band arrangement kind of within it, but I think there was one, actually, from the Jeff Hamilton trio that she was, like, borrowing conceptually some things from. I think it's fascinating rhythm, and especially there was, like, a section where there was a drum solo, like, a brushes kind of thing with, like, kind of seemingly random hits from the bass and piano in there, but they were written out very specifically specifically that was kind of the hardest part I think for the trio to kind of get comfortable with because it was like an odd form like it wasn't just like playing because normally when I solo I'm singing the melody in my head to kind of help me stay on track and also give me ideas but for that one it was a nine bar phrase followed by a six bar phrase followed by a four bar phrase you have to sort of get accustomed to what she had written
1: And then you've got something like FSR from the Ray Brown Trio, where that to me feels like even though it was a piano trio thing from the start and you were playing it in that instrumentation as well, it feels like a big arrangement. Like it feels like there's a lot of exciting stuff that happens. There's a lot packed in there.
0: Yeah. So for that one, the bass has the melody with like drum and piano responses, essentially. So I think even starting with bass melody, you're starting at a pretty small, like dynamic range and or a uh, dynamic level. And then as the piano solo comes in, I think depending on where, where he starts, where Spencer starts, like we'll will kind of really give it a lot of room to to grow and develop. And then so by the time he's at like the climax of his solo, it's it's hopefully like pretty big and, and exciting. So it and then it it ends with the with the drum solo. So it kind of has a lot of shape built into it, even though it's not really heavily arranged. I think even just having bass playing melody is like kind of a hip way to sort of create variety w- within a set list um, and uh, keep, keeps the arrangement interesting.
1: Yeah, and then another way you created variety was bringing things down and letting the bass play the melody with the bow, which you did a couple of times on like... At Frankie's, yeah. it was Mona Lisa and my ideal yes yeah
0: and so my ideal was one that that we did on her album and and that was yeah that was kind of her concept from the beginning was um she's spent a lot of time playing you know arco so she wanted to feature that which makes sense and it and it does create a lot of variety and interest i i think too yeah and it's also a lot of bass players I think these days don't especially in a jazz context don't don't do that as much Um, guilty. (laughs) (laughs) So I think she likes to make that kind of part of her sound and part of her concept. Um, And it it's kind of captivates the listener because maybe they're not as used to hearing that or maybe they haven't heard it in this particular, you know, setting before.
1: Yeah. And then where you really put both of those interest points together, like, the jam-packed arrangements that have a wide dynamic range and the bode playing was on maybe my favorite tune of yours from when i heard you at frankie's which was nature boy
0: yeah so nature boy um she has like a kind of a, an intro sort of an open intro that she'll play and and then she'll kind of quote the melody and then we'll come in and she plays the melody with the bow um and then that's kind of another one that really starts at that, that level, like very, very soft and sensitive. And then it kind of through through as she takes the first solo generally, and then Spencer will play. And then it kind of just builds into the, the whole kind of like shout section. And then, and then with the drums, um, taking a solo at the end, which kind of, again, it's we're always or she's especially like she's very specific in her instructions and and very particular about how she wants to kind of shape things because she has um a specific sound in mind that she wants for for all these
1: yeah and so do you right that's what you're bringing too is you have your own thing that you have in your head and you're influencing that as well
0: definitely definitely yeah so she um it's 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 both like she'll come and she'll kind of describe maybe or maybe not maybe she'll just bring a tune in and uh whatever I do on it she'll be like okay that's cool but usually she'll have like a few a few notes for me so it's it's a give and take thing but yeah definitely I'm not doing things that I wouldn't do on other people's gigs like I don't have to limit myself I can kind of play the way I want to play can't really ask for much more than that in my opinion
1: (laughs) you're getting hired to be you yeah right it's it's sweet <laughs> so, I definitely want to go through the tour a little bit. But one last thing on the set list that kind of takes us there. I mean, I heard you for the one night. I've got eight gigs that I'm aware of that you did on this tour over a span of thirteen days. How much did your set list vary across the tour?
0: It changed every night. um, and so what we did at Frankie's because that was one of our longer gigs. It was two hour and 15 minute sets um so and that was about probably 70 percent of of her book um so we have things in in reserve and so so she's kind of rotating things through every night based on she'll usually make the set list kind of before the gig she'll kind of we'll sound check and then she'll put it together and whatever she decides to play we, we play
1: yeah and no music stands for you guys nope Yep. She was also very specific about that. (laughs) Oh, that was an order.
0: It was an order. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And also that's, that's kind of how I like to do it too. Like I, the only time I'm reading any music, um, is if I'm like subbing in a band and I haven't had a chance to like actually learn their music, but I, I like my whole thing is, is committing things to memory so that I can look around and interact with with the band and not not be buried in in my chart i think that's that can be okay and you sometimes you need to you got to have both but i i think ideally you want to have the stuff you know committed to memory
1: totally yeah so let's get into the tour a little bit i'm gonna serve it up for you here as best i can by telling you what the day was and where you were and you could just fire back at me with whatever you recall doing or whatever you remember about that day what do you think yeah it sounds good let's do that okay so this one was apparently the album release gig and it started your tour and it was on friday the 8th this is all going to be october 2021 of course and this one was at the muse performance space in lafayette colorado
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so the muse is like a local venue here they have like some like they're kind of a nonprofit organization. So they're able to get a good amount of music. Um, they're, they're able to support a lot of, large amount of the Denver music scene, which is great. So what they do is they, they have you in just to play a set and then they, they live stream it. Um, so for us, that was like, we had done... So one, one thing that the listeners might not know is that there's a different piano player on the album than who was on the tour. So he joined the trio pretty shortly before we started touring. I think we did two gigs before the muse. So at that point we were still, I think, kind of like figuring each other out and fi- or finding our stride and figuring out how we all fit into to Domi's particular book. Um, so I don't want to call it necessarily rehearsal. I think we we all came like prepared and we knew the music really well and and I think we brought it. But I think by the time we were at like somewhere like Frankie's where we had, you know, about fifteen shows and clinics um, you know, under our belt, things were a lot I think just tighter and we were more comfortable with, with kind of playing together. But I still think it was a it was a fun gig. It was just there was maybe a few more rough spots than than others just because i think that was our third gig as a trio
1: yeah spencer's wife and he played on your album talking drums so he did not record go ahead
0: i was going to say yeah so we've played a ton together um but him and domi haven't so i kind of like when she was looking for another person i definitely like vouched for for him i wanted him on the gig so i was glad that she she took my recommendation um, cause I, was I, I, really like his one. playing. Yes. He, and he does the piano trio thing very, very well. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that was cool to see him there because I had heard him play on your yeah. record and the, Domi's album sounds great too. So it's good that you have a surplus of talent at your fingertips here. <laughs> there are. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two more shows in Colorado, this one, if I'm not mistaken, this is the one that's closest to home for you because this is where you live, right, in Greeley, Colorado. Yeah,
0: it's about five minutes from my place. The the yeah. 4, 477 Distilling, and actually, totally. I I work there kind of part time as their like booking manager and and do like promo and stuff for their shows. Um, so that's kind of a kind of our main like local spot here in in town. Which so that that was fun to play there. Are a lot of people from UNC came out and um, it's always a good time there. It's a great distillery. They have like good cocktails and stuff. So we always have a good time.
1: Yeah, I wanna take a short tangent there because maybe there's a couple of people in this community who wanna start something like that at their favorite local brewery or distillery. So can you just pull up and talk about how you got that going or how somebody would get that going if they wanted to in a hometown spot.
0: Yeah. So I wasn't the first one to get it going. There was someone else who kind of was really working hard to kind of like, you know, touch base with the owners and sort of like sell this concept, um, to them. And you got to have like an owner who like believes in it. And, um, they definitely are really supportive of like the school too um so I think just between having those things together um it was it was kind of a good it was a good uh you know kind of thing but yeah so the the person um who initially started all that um was was going to the owner and sort of like just getting bands and I think the first bands in there weren't playing for for anything and they just wanted to try it out but then so I think that's maybe. Part of it as um, I haven't done too much of that. Like I've, I've kind of hit up places just to do maybe one off gigs, but to like start like a regular thing. um, It's like a little bit out of pocket at first, but it's, it was an investment and it ended up being worthwhile because they've, they've had music pretty consistently and they pay pretty good too. Um, So once, once he left town um, he asked me to, to take over, you know, booking, booking groups and, and doing the promo and stuff so i was i was happy for you know a little extra income and and of course i really support that venue and believe in it so it's a fun it's a fun opportunity
1: totally giving me good flashbacks because i remember david blake on the rhythm changes podcast talking to me about how andrew miller who is a jazz drummer who moved handed some of the duties towards booking the tangent cafe over to him
0: yeah that's kind of it's like the passing of the torch right
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's super cool. And it's good to hear that you're doing that. And it's good to hear anybody doing that. I always dig that. We need more of that.
0: Definitely. It's so important. That's kind of what keeps the the scene alive.
1: Yeah. All right. So you're finishing up your Colorado weekend that opened this tour at a place called Nocturne that is in Denver. Yeah, so that's kind
0: of, there's two main jazz clubs in Denver. There's uh, Nocturne and, and Dazzle. So that was that was kind of one of them. So she had to kind of decide because she there's you can't you can't do both because they're like down the street from each other. <laughs> um but so it's it's a great room to play in. Um they have a nice piano, the room sounds good. It's kind of similar to Frankie's in a lot of ways. Like they serve like good food and it's just like kind of a jazz and supper club, sort of. Um so definitely for those who have been to Frankie's, sim similar vibe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now your next gig is on Wednesday the thirteenth, but that means what happened in between?
0: Yeah, well, they actually weren't even days off. So the one the, what you're seeing is like our only, our like only our public shows. So
1: yeah, because you might have done clinics and stuff like that too. Pretty right? much
0: every day we had something. It was either a nice. clinic or a show or both. Um, that was that was we had one day off the whole, the yeah. whole time. Monday we drove from Greeley. We left at six in the morning and we, we drove to um, Utah, which is where the U- Utah Valley University is. So we did a clinic there. Um, so that was the only thing that day. The first few days were kind of just traveling slash clinics and then just like a lot of driving because um, yeah. our, our kind of final, like we, we were able to sort of be, you know, stationed in the Seattle area for a few days, which was nice. But the first kind of going up to there, we were, it was a lot of driving We were all in one car it was it was definitely like a budget tour there's no no flights or or hotel rooms it was just kind of like all driving in one car packed in there and with our gear and uh you know couch surfing which is totally fine with me i'd rather you know make a little more bread than than be you know more comfortable i guess (laughs) gotta have that profit margin yeah maybe that'll (laughs) change in in years to come but
1: (laughs) yeah it's okay i've only ever been in a one car band too so i totally feel that it's
0: fun it's fun you get to like we we listen to a lot of music together everyone brought cds and stuff and um yeah it was it was it was cool luckily we all get along well so it was it was still it was a good time
1: yeah now i don't know this place even though now we're getting into shouting distance of where i am so you've got on wednesday the 13th you've got the royal room in seattle
0: yeah so that one, that was I didn't know it either. Um, Domi, just apparently I don't know if she's played there before, but she and she reached out to them, and and uh, it was a nice room. Um, they had yeah, also like a good piano. It was a little bit of a smaller venue than Frankie's, maybe about uh, maybe about half the size or three quarters of the size of Frankie's. Um, if you can picture that, but they had like a you know full stage. It was recorded too. I think Domi has it on her on her like YouTube page or something. But, um, so we, yeah, that was a good show too. There, she had a lot of, um, so she's from the Seattle area by the way. So she has, um, she had like some fans that, you know, were excited to see her. They hadn't seen her in in many years, like since she had moved out to Colorado. So she, she definitely had the fan club there. So there was a really good kind of vibe in the room. Lots of, lots of audience energy, which makes it a lot easier to play when, you get some response from people.
1: <laughs> yeah, hence why you booked a couple more things consecutively in the state of Washington there. You've got one at Central Washington University, and then you did one at a place called Boxley's in North Bend, Washington.
0: Yeah, so Central Washington is where she went to, she did her undergrad there. So we did a clinic there in the morning and uh, just kind of hung out there for the day and did like an evening concert in their, like, um, their main like hall, like where they have their, their like orchestra concerts, which was which is kind of crazy. Having is kind of a funny room to play in, but it's I think it it worked it worked out fine. It turned turned out pretty good. That one was recorded too, actually. It sounded pretty good. And then um, Boxleys, I think they've been like Domi was saying, like they've been one of the clubs that have actually. I think they also have like kind of a nonprofit kind of license, so they have been able to support a lot of people kind of like they're kind of like the muse if uh that that's sort of what like their vibe they just can get people in and they do like a live stream thing and um so that was cool and i it was my first time in north bend and i'm a huge like twin peaks fan so that was pretty special for me and like kind of it was a very like magical uh experience kind of being like where that show was filmed and and so that was that was really cool for me But I was the only one like kind of really nerding out about that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we don't have a venue like that, like the Muse or Boxley's in Vancouver.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's, so the Muse, like it started, there's this couple, um, Pete, Pete Lewis and Claire Church. They um, have been, you know, just really good advocates for the jazz scene for many years, but they, so they started it. They like, they bought the building and like, again, they've been applying for grants, um, from its, from its origin. Um, and that's, that's really, I think what keeps it alive is like, because they just keep trying to get support, um, from, from people, but also they, they have a lot of grants that they're kind of, uh, able to use to kind of cover their costs and everything. So it just takes people and they're, they're both, They're both retired now. I don't think they were when they started, but it's just people who like believe in it. And then if, if this, you know, the stars align and there's like a space and, you know, they have the kind of like, I guess, capital to, to get it off the ground, then it can be a really, you know, successful thing, which it has been here in Denver.
1: Yeah. Now, I do want to save the Frankie's one for last selfishly, so I'm going to pop ahead. Okay. And there's definitely some driving in here because after the Washington State stuff, you did have to cross the border come to Vancouver, but then apparently you ended your tour doing a house concert in Boise.
0: Yeah, so that and I think I think we just had clinics between Frankie's and then. Um so those maybe a couple of days off. But yeah, um Boise, we she has Uh, I think it was like her uncle and aunt lived there and um, so she just was just like we need to kind of drive through through here anyway like is there any and they had like a nice living room nice piano Um, so she just kind of like hit them up and asked if they would you know be willing to you know have us have us for the house concert and they were so it was it was cool that was a fun last show
1: when you came off of that show, did you feel like you were still locked in? You could just keep going indefinitely if the bookings were there? Or were you ready to get back?
0: No, I think I could maybe, I maybe could have done like another week probably. But I was, I was like also ready, you know, because like my wife lives here, definitely missed her and missed my dog. And, um, but it was, it was fun being on the road with them. I think, yeah, probably after a week, I would have been feeling a little bit burnt out. Um I'm not really too much of a road warrior. I haven't uh um it's I've mostly been able to kind of like thankfully like work mostly locally. I haven't had to rely on on touring to kind of support myself. Um but I do I do enjoy it, but I think just for short stints like that. Two or, two or three weeks at a time kind of
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So when you got back into Vancouver, first of all, what was that like?
0: Oh, it was great, man. It had been, it had been a few years. So it was, it was nice. We were able to, I mean, we were just, I mean, it's always a little bit funny crossing the border these days, um, just cause of COVID and everything, but that was all cool. We had like our tests, like that, you know, our negative tests came back on time. Um, and, but it was, it was nice, man. It was like, I wish we had more time there. Like really, we got in like late that afternoon <laughs> And so we basically just dropped our stuff, went straight to the venue, did the gig and then drove back like in the, in the morning, like early in the morning, because we had to do a clinic the next day in Seattle. So, um, so it was, it was, it was too brief for my, for my liking. I I love that city and I wish I kind of got to, you know, go to some, you know, restaurants and coffee shops that I like and meet, meet up with people and hang, but you know it is what it is but it was great yeah,
1: and then had you played at frankie's before
0: no so frankie's didn't open until uh after i had moved so it was it i mean it was the cellar for a while and then what was the one in between the seller and frankie's I wasn't
1: able to figure that out, so we'll have to leave that one up in the air. I almost want—was it still called Frankie's? It was in a different
0: location, though. It was like it it was another kind of restaurant downtown. Um, So this was my first time in this, this, this club, Um, and it was—it was great, man. Corey's got such a good kind of thing going there. The room—the room room was awesome. Sounded good. Those house drums were like (laughs) some of the nicest drums I've played, just in, in general. So. Yeah, it it was super fun.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. And it was super fun for me too, obviously. And I'm, I'm really lucky that I got to come out and hear you. I want to close with this. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, um, my pleasure. You had this thing going. And I've seen you do this in some of the live videos that I've watched of you playing as well. So I know that this happens relatively often and in particular. I think it happens relatively often between you and one of the members of this trio. And I want to know what's going through your mind when this happens. So sometimes when something interesting happens, you go look over at Spencer's wife there and you give him an interesting kind of look or a grin. What is going through your mind when you do that?
0: <laughs> oh man, I don't even know. It might be kind of like just a reaction to something that happens in the moment, but um I I think yeah, I, I always like to be looking up, looking around and like, kind of making eye contact with people and like engaging in that way. Because I, I think like, I mean, sometimes y- y- it's okay to have maybe your eyes closed and be like constant. But to me, that's that's a little bit kind of like too much of like self-absorption. Um, and so I've, I've worked to kind of get out of that habit. I, I think I have more fun when I'm looking around and making eye contact with people, which requires vulnerability. And, but I think you connect in in a deeper way, um, and in like a more loving way to the people. So honestly, I think that's the answer. It's just, it's just like love, man. Like I, I, I love his playing and, and who he is as a person. So that just like, that just blends together, um, into what's like happening on stage. So I think it's just an expression of love
1: well it definitely comes through and the love gets spread all the way around the room so we appreciate that yeah good. The next time i get the chance to hear you in vancouver i'm not going to miss it either so thanks for coming to vancouver and playing and sharing this great music that you're making and yeah. thanks for chatting with me today
0: my pleasure we'll have to play soon too
1: yeah Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the feed yet, make sure you do. And think about your friends who might enjoy listening too. Tell them to search for the Rhythm Changes podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Churnoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Churnoff Music production.